views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the hit show, Mouthing Off with Chef Rossi. Each show, Rossi, a.k.a. Chef Rossi, and author of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet, mouths off about different subjects in a pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up our minds. Look out. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth using the subject of each show as a framework for uplifting, inspiring, and what exuberant conversations. So get ready for that appetizer that will wet your whistle as we lean into the main course of the day. Issues, conversations, things that are heavy on your minds, but lightening up your heart. And ending each show off with that sweet, sweet, sweet dessert of inspiration. Now, here is your host, Chef Rossi. I got the chef here. I'm Dr. Pat. Yeah, Chef Rossi and I, mouthing off radio. We are co-hosting this show, but you know what? This show is really all about her. Um, We just got finished with the show uh, that talked about authenticity with uh, Dr. Kelly. You know, he does a whole business, fabulous business show, right? And we're talking about this. And in the face of talking about it, we're talking about what is it that we so believe? Do we actually believe truth or do we believe the people that sell their story best? Well, that is for us today an intro to Mouthing Off Radio, Chef Rossi, Pride. Gay pride, be proud of who you are. Because if you are proud of who you are, then you don't even have to contemplate what authentic means. Uh, Chef Rossi, today, we're going to talk about her life, her love, her career, everything about her. But most importantly, how amazing she is. Chef Rossi, it's great to have you here. Oh my God, I love this. I feel like a Jewish American princess right now. It's all about (laughs) me, about me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But you know, at, at times, it is really up to us to share parts of our story. I just shared something on air that I had never shared before about, you know, uh, 19 years old and being arrested. And at the time, I was arrested for something serious. And uh, and I just had never shared that. Now, Ooh. clearly for me, I look back at it and I would never attempt to pull a gun off of a, a police officer but chef, I was or wearing. Were you just having a bad day, sweetie? <laughs> I've been bad already. No, but you know, back in the day, those jackets with the long frills, the long what do they call them that hang down? The the suede jackets. Oh, the fringes, the sure, fringes. like cowboy jackets. Cowboy, but you know, I'm older, so it's hippie, hippie mm-hmm. jacket. 
So here's the deal. Got pulled over by a policeman. He starts to search my car. And, you know, I grabbed his arm to say, what are you doing? And my fringe, guess what it got caught on? What? His gun. Oh, my God. Yes. But but it's not your fault. No, but here's what happens. He starts to push me away. And what do you think happens? He thinks I'm pulling for his gun. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my gosh. But anyway. It's a story that when you That's talk a good about story it, though. It's a, it was scary it was the scariest moment. Did you have life. to get arrested in the whole thing? For I that? did have to get arrested and I had to go to court and Holy my attorney crap. did not want me to tell the truth. And I had a moment, Chef, and you're gonna talk about this in your own story, but you ever have a moment where you know that the truth is what's called for? Because you couldn't make up that story. So you have That's to tell the That's what the judge truth. said. Nobody could make up that story. <laughs> we just saw, my girlfriend and I just saw a movie last night called Norman with Richard Gere. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's kind of a kooky, weird movie, but it's sort of worth seeing. Anyway, there's a scene where Norman basically convinces someone of, of this huge, crazy story. And he's able to convince him because nobody could make up that story. It's just too insane. Like, that's the reason I love writing memoir, because my whole life, whenever I would tell stories about my crazy family and my crazy mother, people would be like, you made it up. It's too crazy. You're like, no, nobody could make this up. So I started writing memoir because it just sort of sends people into hysterics and it makes them even more hysterical that it's a true story. Yeah. But, you know, here it is, though. It is hysterical that it's a true story. And when you and I sit and we're off air and we're chit-chatting about our lives, it's kind of funny stuff. Of course. Um, But for you, you are out in the world. You're an award-winning chef. You know, you're a fabulous author. Your book, Raging Skillet, amazing. Now soon to be made into something other than a book. And you're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. What is it that gets you up every day to keep doing what you're doing? Well, you, today it was because we're going to talk about gay pride, which I've been really mm-hmm. excited about. I get really jazzed about these things. But what gets me up every day is that I guess I have this really strong drive to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I know it, when you're like trying to recycle and do better things for the environment, like yeah. not, that, not that a lot of politicians care about the environment, but normally we care about the environment. And they say to reduce your footprint, recycle and reduce the footprint that you're leaving on this planet. But when it comes to emotional things and and social things, I want to increase my footprint. I want to leave as big a footprint on this planet as I can by the time I departed. And I guess that's what wakes me up. And I, I don't know if that's, I have an ego problem perhaps, but I do think that I can do a lot of good and and that's kind of my, my goal, just to get out there and do it. Um, what woke me up today was knowing that we were going to do our awesome show today, which I was yeah. really looking forward to. And also a lot of really exciting things that are coming up. Um, I'm going to be going to Gay Pride in Washington, D.C., which has, had, has the big March and Equality March on June 11th. Right. So I'm going to be marching for equality. Then the next day... I'm doing a big gay pride event at the world-famous Kramer Books, which is fabulous. You have to check it out. And we're having uh, – Kramer's is going to donate all of the profit to the Trevor Project, which really helps mm-hmm. gay youth, you know, who are in so much jeopardy. 
And we're sponsored by a great organization called GLOW, which is a gay Jewish organization, which I love because I am the gay Jew. What can I say? So (laughs) I'm totally jazzed about that. And on top of that, I had the fortune to meet a fantastic playwright early in in the book tour named Jacques Lamar. He's a fabulous, cute bear, but he's not single. And he wanted to adopt my book for a play, and we went back and forth, and he turned it into a fantastic play. I just couldn't even believe it. And I couldn't even imagine a three-person play from the book, but it works like it was born to work. And they just cast Barbara Rosenblatt from Orange is the New Black to play my mother, Harriet, which I love, and uh, Mary Testa, a Tony Award-winning Broadway actress who I just saw in The Government Inspector, to play me. And I went to see her play, and afterwards we all met her, and I was like, it was such a strange, surreal experience to actually meet a Broadway actress who has been contracted to play me. I mean, can you imagine? It was. I'm still like... My head is just kind of twiddling. I was just going to ask you, I, I mean, I want to just take a pause for a moment and breathe. Because you know what I love about you? I love many things about you. But you know what I love about hearing you talk about this? You talk about this literally unobstructed by what many people might see from another person who's got a giant ego. See, you know, here's what I love about you. We were just talking with Dr. Kelly about authenticity, and that's you. And so you're so nonchalant about this. I'm like jumping up and down in my seat over here, and I'm thinking, wow, I got to ask you this question. How do you feel about all this? How do you feel well, I'm still I'm still pinching myself about my first book being published. Mm-hmm. And then those experiences I had on the book tour, which is still going on. I mean, usually you go on a book tour for six months and that's it. Too far from publication date, drop dead. This is like a year and a half later and I still have book events I'm doing. And everywhere I go, I, I meet these big crowds and they're all really happy to see me. And they all want to stay in touch and they, they just, they're so full of love. And I'm just like, it's like a dream come true. So I haven't really settled down to earth from the book being published in November of 2015 or from my first book events in November of 2015. Like I'm still floating on that. And so part of me wants to just sit down and inventory the way I'm feeling and touch and smell and feel. The other part of me is like, I got plenty of time when when it's all (laughs) over. I'll go back and inventory and touch and feel and smell and everything, you know just stockpiling every magazine clip out and so on and so on. But um, I am really trying to stop and smell the roses. I know how rare this is. Like I have a lot of friends who've written books and they've never had the pleasure of getting to do it in an audio book or having it adapted for the stage. I mean, I know that that's really rare and wonderful. So I'm trying to spend time being grateful because I don't want to jinx myself. I'm Jewish, so I know if I don't spend some, if I don't spend some time, you know, being grateful and self-deprecating, you know, like the last time. This is so Jewish. I know you yeah. understand. Though, but the last time I said out loud, "God, I'm so happy," we got Donald Trump. So now I'm afraid. Oh. I'm afraid to say it out loud. I'm so miserable. Take him away. Well, you know, listen, Miss Rosa. When we're talking about 
this woman that is going to come in here and be part of your life. And I'm talking about Barbara Rosenblatt for a uh-huh. minute. Yes. The character that she for those of you, if you want to find out more about her, or if you've ever watched Orange is the, is the New Black, you're going to clearly understand who this woman is and the role she played. Now, we all know her because she was bald uh, in the, the series. Head. Yep. Um, and we all know uh, what her role was, how she played it, and how fierce of an actor she is. And I want to take a short break when we come back. What is it about that fierceness of her and how she has said yes to you to play the role she's going to play? What is it about that? That truly talks the essence of today's show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Yeah, Chef Rossi, I'm Dr. Pat. We'll be right back. I never knew, I never knew that everything was falling through, that everyone I knew was waiting on a cue to turn and run when all I needed. Tune in to the hit show, Mouthing Off with Chef Rossi. Chef Rossi mouths off about different subjects in pursuit of breaking down walls and opening up your minds. She and Dr. Pat banter back and forth, taking from the headlines of the day on subjects that reach beyond what goes on in the world into your hearts. And go to theragingskillet.com to find out more and let Chef Rossi know what's on your mind. If you're dealing with fear and anxiety, you've probably noticed that the more you fight these emotions, the stronger they seem to get. Dr. Friedemann Schaub, the author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, explains that instead of suppressing, we need to identify and resolve the deeper, subconscious root causes of fear and anxiety. His personal breakthrough program has helped thousands worldwide to overcome their emotional challenges. To learn more, visit thefearandanxietysolution.com and schedule your free consultation with Dr. Schaub now. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at MaryJaneMack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit MaryJaneMack.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. Miss any shows during the week? Don't worry, we've got you covered. With the free Transformation Talk radio app, you'll have access to all of the past week's shows in the palm of your hand. Tune in to Transformation Talk radio anywhere you go with our free app for any of your devices. Check out our app in the App Store and Google Play Store today. TheAngelLady.net. TheAngelLady.net. 
TheAngelLady.net 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 1-800-323-1790 Sue Storm TheAngelLady.net TheAngelLady.net Everybody, welcome back. This is Mouthing Off Radio with Chef Rossi and me, Dr. Pat. Imagine life, love, and glory. Today, um, we're talking about pride, gay pride. Be proud of who you are. And for those of you that are wondering, yeah, they're talking about that today. What's going on? Well, uh, this is Gay Pride Month. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so the story continues, and it continues in many ways as we get to take this journey with Chef Rossi about what her message is and what she's bringing to the forefront of her life, but most importantly, her own story to talk about being proud. Chef, uh, you know, this is um, this is a time to really talk story, but to talk in a way as you're talking about it, reasons to be proud. And Absolutely. let's start with you and let's talk about what your story uh, has come to mean for you. Well, I, I like to say this a lot, um, mm-hmm. that I'm discovering more and more that I'm a born-again Jew. And they're like, what do you mean <laughs> a born-again Jew? It's like if I think about it, I've been born again several times in my life. I mean, there was the first time, obviously. I was like 10 pounds, 2 ounces. I still feel like I owe my mother's vagina a huge apology for that. Mom in heaven, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry I was so big. Um, and then... And then a sort of the writer was born and the this was born and that was born. I mean, you know, we don't have enough hours to go into all the times I was born. But when I went into high school, I really invented myself as a really a badass type. I sort of looked like Joan Jett on acid, paraded around with Hiram Walker Blackberry brandy in my pocket and cigarettes rolled in my sleeve. And I really felt that punk rock was my music and I had something to prove. But what the real problem was, was that I was building this arsenal of tough girl defensiveness to cover up the fact that inside I felt so different. You know, whenever I kissed a boy, it was like, I was like, God, when is this going to be over? And I, I just didn't feel the way my girlfriends felt. They were like, oh, I love him. He's so cute. I was just like, kind of, I was like, yeah, he's so cute. Inside, I was like, bleh. So I knew I was different. And I went and talked to my sister. She was in her bedroom taping up Bay City Rollers cutouts on her walls as wallpaper. <laughs> and I said, uh, her nickname was Yaya. I said, Yaya, I, I think, I feel like I might be gay. And she's like, why do you say that? And I'm like, well, I'm only interested in boys taking me out and buying me things and paying for things. But I don't want to kiss them and I, I don't want to have sex with them. And she said, you're not gay. You're a Jewish American princess like me. And I was like, oh, I see. So I joined this theater group because my friends were like, this is where the punk rockers have to go. And my first day that I'm there, I see a man kissing another man and a woman kissing another woman. I mean, it was just like 
I was like, oh my God, it was crazy. And there were punk rockers and all kinds of things you didn't find on the Jersey Shore in uh, 1980. And I said to my friend Jenny, who always kind of took me everywhere and got me into things like, is this heaven? It's so crazy. And she's like, no, doll, this is theater. So I'm like, I love this theater thing. Mm. So there was this ice queen there that would never laugh at anyone's jokes and no one could get her to smile. But she was gorgeous. She looked like a punk rock Audrey Hepburn. Wow. And I thought, I'm going to make her like me. I just made it my mission to try to make her laugh and make her like me. And eventually, I got her to loosen up and start laughing. And we started hanging out. And we would go to these punk rock parties. And so we're at this punk rock party. And we're jumping all around, getting our beers poured all over each other, you know, just being a mess. We go in the bathroom to fix ourselves up. And I had just had a dream about her. And I can't convey to you how naive I was when I tell you this, that I had no idea what this dream meant whatsoever. And I said, hey, Cindy, I had this weird dream that I kissed you, like a Hollywood kind of kiss. Isn't that weird? She goes, oh, yeah? And she sticks her tongue in my mouth and starts making out with me. And I was, like, horrified and frozen. I didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden I kind of unfroze and I sort of got into it and we made out for what really felt like five hours but was probably like five minutes <laughs> and then she just laughs at me I don't know what I looked like I must have looked like I just <laughs> hit by a truck she just laughs and she goes to the bar and I'm sitting there in that dingy bathroom it was like right out of train spotting with like graffiti I mean it was disgusting and suddenly it was like the whole universe went flying into my brain I was like, that's why I had to bring Mrs. Mahan in the first grade an apple every day. And that's why I had to watch The Bionic <laughs> Woman every single Wednesday. And that's why, you know, I was like, oh, my God, that's why, that's why. Someone who was outside the bathroom would have just heard someone screaming, that's why, that's why. And they'd probably be going, don't do those drugs. You know? <laughs> anyway, it took me... A few more years to say I was gay. I mean, this was late 70s, early 80s, so it was kind of cool to say you were bisexual. But um, really, from that moment on, I was never the same. And all it was like all the mysteries of the universe opened up before me. And so I continued to go on dates with boys, and I hated them, and go on dates with girls, and I loved them. And then finally, when I was 18, I had a really terrible date with a boy. And I just said, why bother? You know, I like oranges, not apples. And so from that point on, I was kind of out loud and proud. Mm. <coughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I first of all, I want to thank you for sharing the, your story and, and also for being here with us. But there are reasons why there is something called the Trevor Project, right? Right. That's right. There, there are reasons why. You know, there are those of us that it, whether whether you're gay or not, you look at humanity and you say, no, that's not right. That's not going to happen. But, you know, for you, Chef Rossi, my question is this. You know, you've had to come along the way to look at, at the obstacles in front of you and at every one of them make a, make a decision. You know, what am I going to do? Am I going to take that on? Am I going to talk about it? Um, and, and this is an important point because I think we're all sitting here today and participating in the celebration of this month 
and have some question marks around the level of hate that we're right. also uh, seeing. So I love, you know, the, the, that you're doing a play that has a little brevity, that has something that's going to present information to really have more people show up and say, no, that's not okay. Right. Well, in some ways, this is, I mean, I remember how important gay pride was in mm-hmm. Stonewall 25 when it was oh, yeah. five-year anniversary. I mean, that was yep. huge. I went yep. on Washington for that. Yep. But in some ways, this gay pride month is the most important gay pride month that I've experienced in my lifetime. Right. Because hate crimes are through the roof. We've got um, a president who really, really does not seem to be a friend to the gay community. And um, we he, almost like one of the first things he did was take away federal protection for transgender kids in schools. It's really like the cruelest of the cruel because they're so vulnerable and the most apt to be considering suicide and the most in need of an organization like the Trevor Project. And I have talked to gay married couples who are afraid the way the politics are lately that their marriage will be revoked. And I don't think that that can happen, but maybe it can. You know, I've talked to transgender people who are genuinely afraid. There's no ignoring that the hate crimes are through the roof. And I think the reason they're through the roof is not even so much a particular policy that's happened in the new administration, as much as the fact that the man who campaigned on hate and fear-mongering, who knows full well of the hate crimes that are up through the roof in this country and will not speak out against them, who's become the darling of the KKK, you know, he's kind of, him being elected and coming to power is sort of given permission to homophobic and racist and sexist people to be, you know, homophobic, racist, and sexist. So just like the Women's March all around the country and the world sent a message that women will not allow ourselves to be victimized, Gay Pride this month has to send a message to the world that we fought so hard for the place we're at, for what we've accomplished. We have much further to go, but we will not allow ourselves to be pushed back decades. I mean, I know what it's like to be gay bashed. I've been gay bashed on more than one occasion. I have that lovely honor. Um, I know what it's like to be frightened that I'll be hurt for walking down the street holding my girlfriend's hand. A lot of straight couples cannot imagine that if you walk down the street holding your boyfriend's hand, someone might want to hurt you just for holding your hand. Mm-hmm. I have uh, a very close friend who's a black woman who married a white man, and they were together for many years until he passed away recently. And she said she understood how I felt being frightened to hold my girlfriend's hand because she experienced that whenever she went further south than Virginia, that she could not walk down the street holding her husband's hand without fear of being attacked. So, I mean, these things have to change, and we have to stand up and change them. I, I think, um, interestingly enough, I know gay people that wish they weren't gay because they've been victimized and maybe still are. I don't feel that way. I'm so happy that I'm gay. I'm so happy that I'm just me. Um, I wouldn't change anything about it. You know, maybe I would give myself a little less body fat. I don't know, but I, you know, I wouldn't change anything about being gay. And I'm really blessed with the fact that um, I've gone through a lot of relatively terrible girlfriends in my life and a couple of nice ones, but I'm really blessed that my girlfriend now of six and a half years is kind of on the awesome side. She looks a little bit like Isabella Rossellini, 
um, nice Italian from Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> retired NYPD police sergeant. I mean, very sexy. But also, you know, she's really, really nice, you know. So now I have even a little something more to celebrate. But well, I, spent, I spent a lot of time being lonely and single, too. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I wish I could say today that you are, how should I say it, the number one kick-butt Jewish personality in the world. But oh. somebody beat you out. Oh, yeah. Wonder Woman. Yay! Wonder Woman. <laughs> I can do that spin, too. Oh, my god! I had a little crush on Linda Carter, too, the original. Right. Well, you know, talk about people showing up for women. Mm-hmm. Why, why this? What does she represent that Chef Rossi also represents? What is it about the power and empowered personalities that you know out there, you know in your heart, you cannot hold them down. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. On the cutting edge of the new mainstream, Christine Upchurch is passionate about bringing together science, psychology, and spirituality in a way that can be applied to our everyday lives for true transformation. The Christine Upchurch Show, stellar conversations to illuminate your journey, engages some of the most outstanding visionaries on the planet in lively dialogue to inspire you to become that bright light you're meant to be. Join Christine every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on KKNW, AM 1150, and Transformation Time. Radio. A word of caution. If you prefer the status quo and you are not interested in improving every aspect of your life, this book will trigger the shift out of you. The Truth is Funny, Shift Happens is available now. Author Colette Steffen brings the powerful knowledge and life-changing energy and empowerment from the radio airwaves to the pages of her new book. To get your copy in paperback or ebook, visit thetruthisfunny.com today. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our wheelhouse to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. Gifted intuitive healer and spiritual teacher, Sarah Luce, brings her unique style to the hit show, Small Steps, Big Breakthrough Radio, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Tune in each month as Sarah turns reality on end and shows us how to experience expansive results with simple yet powerful steps. Expect an enlightening bend on what you currently believe is possible. For show details and upcoming topics, visit SarahLoose.com. That's S-A-R-A-L-O-O-S.com. Calling all moms. It's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. 
Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit EmpoweringEnergy.com. That's Empowering with letters N-R-G.com. Every day is another opportunity to bring magic into our world and create the reality we want to live. Intuitive Juliana Salofia and the Lady of Light New Age Boutique are here to help you on your journey. Whether you're looking for a reading, a workshop, or a class of the latest and unique metaphysical products or jewelry, the Lady of Light New Age Boutique has it all. Visit inspirednewage.com to schedule a session or class and feel the energy of the Lady of Light. Yeah, love that song, boy. Thank you, Benny. Welcome back, everyone. I want to just take a moment for those of you, um, you want to find out more about Chef Rossi, you can go to theragingskillet.com. You could also follow Chef Rossi on Facebook at Mm -hmm. Chef Rossi NYC for New York City, Twitter, Chef Rossi, R-O-S-S-I, and please make sure you go to Amazon, find out uh, how you can get a copy of the book, The Raging Skillet. Um, and we're going to give some information right now uh, as we continue to talk about the play. Um, what is the best way for people to find out about the play and how they can find out where it's going to play in their cities and so forth and so on? Well, right now, you would just uh, Google Theater Works in Hartford, Connecticut. So they're the ones who are going to be putting it on. It's supposed to open July 28th and run till August 27th. They uh, haven't put the tickets on sale. I think they're going to put them on around June 21st. So if you just Google Raging Skillet Theater Works, they'll keep updating you. I don't think they're going to go on sale until June 21st. That was the last I heard. And then um, from that point on, I mean, the last play they did, the reason that they wanted to do my play was because they did another food memoir that's still touring. So then it's just a matter of, how many theaters around the country will want to keep doing it. I have a feeling it's going to be really popular. I, I just, looking at the last draft of the play, I mean, it's so funny, you know, but it's also, <laughs> you know, kind of like a pull your kishka's heartwarming <laughs> kind of thing too. So it's, it's definitely not like anything you have ever seen before. This much, I promise. Well, let's talk about the play for a little bit because I can only imagine what it's like uh, to have someone, you know, be, who is the playwright, mm-hmm. you know, take your life story, take what you're, you know, you're out there, which you've written, which you've written the book and so forth. Take it now, bring it to life. Now we know who at least one of the actors is going to be. Uh, and it's really like, like a, a stone's throw away from reality, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wonderful. What is that like to have someone through their eyes, see your life? The whole experience has been really surreal. So the very first book event I did was at the Javits Center, uh, a giant book festival, the BEA or BAI. Mm. I I always forget. It's thousands of people convention. And the book wasn't even out yet. We were just having me sign um, early galleys of the book that weren't even fully proofread yet. 
And I had this idea to also give out bacon and peanut butter sandwiches, which was immensely popular, as you can imagine. And this guy came up to me who looked, I thought, a little bit like the Unabomber. (laughs) And he said, your book is perfect, and I want to turn it into a play. It's exactly what we're looking for. And so I didn't really take him seriously. Right. um, Because, you know, even almost immediately, I discovered I was meeting a lot of pretty loony people in my journey. So... Uh, I just kind of yesed him, but but we stayed in touch. He seemed nice enough. And um, then a couple months later, I hadn't even signed the contract or agreed to have him adapt it. He sent me an entire first draft of the play. I mean, it must have been, a, I don't even know how many weeks or months of work he had put into it. It was so risky because if I had turned around and said no, then all that work was out the window. And it was laugh out loud funny. Like I was in Los Angeles at the time in my hotel room. I was just laughing. I'm like, I couldn't believe it. He turned it into a three-person play. In my head, I couldn't visualize it. And from that point on, I knew that I was going to say yes and sign the contract and work with him because it was just brilliant and he was so courageous. And then since then, it's gone through um, eight rewrites and every step of the way, you know, he's worked with me and engaged me and never tried to sort of take the project away and shut me out of it. I mean, he's just been so lovely and gracious and respectful. And more than anything, more than it being a tribute to my book, which it certainly is, it's come as a tribute to my mother. And so I really, really feel her in this project. I mean, I'm so looking forward to watching and performed on the stage and I I just have a feeling that she'll be watching too and I think that she's going to like Barbara Rosenblatt playing her too. It's just perfect. I mean it's just unreal. It's it's unreal. I just met, I went to see the government inspector and I met Mary Testa who's going to be playing me after the show was over. First of all she was brilliant in the show which was also brilliant. And afterwards you could tell from like 50 feet away that she was real and honest and nice and approachable like she just came running over like girl next door you would never know she'd ever been on Broadway and I was so happy that she was such a decent kind person and she was thrilled to meet me and um, I gave her a little pair of socks that I bought that said fight like a girl and she Mm. loved them and I just it was just a strange experience like imagine just meeting the woman who's going to play you and I I was just like oh my god I'm, I'm still kind of dizzy over it. Yeah. I I mean, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, you hear from so many people that talk about either their books being made into movies or, you know, some other level, some other platform. And they're not as excited as you are about, you know, the characters and the people that are being cast. Um, What do you think it is that most, I would say, resonates with you about these characters? How will they represent your story, your mom's story? Well, I think it's like when I, when I wrote the book and when it got published, mm-hmm. that was, I thought, well, now my dream is over. I can, right. go, to sleep. I can go to sleep now. Ah. But what I quickly realized on the book tour was that I was meeting a lot of people who had a lot of questions. And the more I would answer their questions the more I realized I had only just started telling my story. I mean, there were a thousand stories that I told on the book tour that I'd never written about. I was like, oh boy. 
And having all of these wonderful conversations with Jacques Lamar, the playwright, a lot of those stories came out and were incorporated into the book. Like my mother had written a poem and won a contest, and this was towards the end of her life. She was recuperating from a stroke, and she was partially paralyzed in a wheelchair. But she still had a lot of power in her in her words. She was always a very lovely and talented writer. And she had a kind of a childlike innocence about her. And so she wrote this poem, which was, uh, people being what they are, I trade my all to buy a star. I, I have to go look up the rest of it. But mm-hmm. it was a sad and lonely and beautiful little poem. And when I shared it with Jacques, he put it in the play. So I'm like, there, mom, you know, like, 20, oh. 25 years after you died, your, your poem has finally been published. You know, she won a contest with it, but it never found a home. It was never published. Wow. And I could just, oh, my God, to be able to do that for her and to have Jacques be so open and loving about it. And really, here we are it, it, on this gorgeous stage in this beautiful theater, and her poem's going to be read. I mean, I can't even tell you how touching that is for me. I love that you're sharing that because, you know, what I sense is, uh, you know, what's happening with this is, yes, the book came out, but now what's happening is it, the book is now the, the foundation for even more ways to honor your journey, your mother's journey, you know, the journey in general. And boy, that's kind of rare in itself as well. It's, I, I'm like, I know how special it is. I don't take anything for granted. Whoever these people are who had their book turned into a play or a movie and weren't blown away by it, I say, fools, you're fools. Mm. I mean, it's just, oh, my God, it's so special, and I'm so grateful. And that's something I have to do, and I have to really get myself to do this every morning and every night is just spend time being grateful because um, if you get wonderful things and you're not grateful for them, I don't really think you deserve them. Mm, we're going to take a short break when we come back. The question for Chef Rossi is this. Is there anything, if you had a chance in your life to do differently, Chef, what would that be? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Tune in to Mainstream Metaphysics Radio to harness your connection with the universe to effect change for optimal success and happiness. Name one of the country's top psychics. Eve now brings her insights and gifts to this weekly hit call-in show, joined by visionaries, leaders, and gifted others, but mostly you. Jot it down, Thursdays, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit empoweringenergy.com. That's empowering with letters N-R-G dot com. 
Get ready to experience Truth Talk Radio with host Deb Acker. Tune in to Truth Talk Radio each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com to illuminate the truth in your daily life as you experience life, love, and abundance from a whole new perspective. This hit show will leave you feeling lighter and bring you into a place of infinite possibilities every day in every way. Visit TruthTalkRadioShow.com for upcoming transformative topics and guests. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. To see your life from an angel's perspective, book a personal consultation with Claire Candy Hoff, angelic walk-in angel Ariel at Angel Healing House. Candy provides intuitive counseling, Reiki, and angel readings in person in Los Angeles or nationally and internationally via phone or Skype. She will channel the practical tools you need to transform your life. Call now. 831-277-3716 831-277-3716 or visit angelhealinghouse.com Tune in to the Psychic Professors Show, The Voices of Spirit Radio with international medium and spirit artist Dr. Susan Barnes on Transformation Talk Radio featuring a variety of spiritual topics such as psychic art, spiritualism, EVP, psychic development, and mediumship. This hit call-in show provides listeners with breakthrough wisdom to enliven and enlighten their lives. Visit spiritartgallery.net for show days and times. my gosh it's all listen to these tunes benny is cranking out thank you benny thank you thank you benny you're welcome one day this week though you've got to somehow pull the theme from wonder woman for me i I know oh my gosh it's so good oh and boy i'll tell you this is a whole new era now for female superheroes the raging skillet.com is the website if you want to find out more, you can also Google Chef Rossi. You can Google Raging Skillet. Uh, now, look, you're going to be busy. Tell, tell folks where you're going to be here. You've got an upcoming okay. event. So well, let's start so with that. On June 12th, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. at the world-famous Kramer Books um, from 6.30 till 8. And I'm going to be doing some really crazy, kooky things. And Kramer uh-huh. Books has agreed to donate all the profit to the Trevor Project, which is amazing because they're – really helpful in supporting gay young adults and kids not, you know, not commit suicide and get all the support that they need. And it's underwritten by a great organization organization called, I can't say that word, organization called GLOW. So I'm really jazzed about that. I'm going to be doing some really zany stuff and we're going to be giving out peanut butter and bacon sandwiches and pizza bagels and Manischewitz spritzers and Washington DC is never going to be the same. Trust me on that. Oh, and boy. then I, I hope you're right on that. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be worth a trip to D.C. Oh, um, man. So everyone will go for the March on Equality, whether you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter. No. Come in March and then stay another day and party with me. 
And I want to just tell you, if you all want to find out more about the Trevor Project, you can go to the trevorproject.org. And, um, and if you don't believe that suicide is, is in the forefront and very, very heavy on everyone's mind, especially this month, you mm-hmm. need to check out what they've discovered and take a look at some of the people that are involved in this. Um, you know, I asked you a question before the break, and I know we've only got a little bit of time left these hours. I don't know where it goes. I ask you, you know, Chef, if, if you had a way to do something over and not do something or change something in your life, mm-hmm. you know, is there anything that comes to mind for you? Two things. One is that there was this terrible bully who we called Bulldog, who looked like one, who really terrorized me in the seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. And if I could do it all over again, regardless of, you know, whether or not I would win the fight or whatever, I would just day one have gone up to him and given him an enormous kick between his legs. But the fact that I never fought back let him terrorize me for two years. Wow, two years. Two years, yeah. Wow. He used to throw pennies at me and say, pick them up, dirty Jew. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, now I I know he was picking up on the fact that I was gay, but I didn't even know I was gay. And so if I had stuck up for myself, I would have preempted that. But once I got my power back, I've sort of lived my whole life as revenge against bullies and preventing people from being bullied. But I had two really terrible years. That's why I really understand the Trevor Project. Those two years I really thought maybe I don't want to live. So I know how that feels. So I would go back in time and really annihilate his you-know-what. And the Mm. other thing I would do over is when I was eight years old, I was so terrified of the school play. I had a small part just playing a Jewish mother And I was so scared, I called in sick, and even though I wasn't sick, and my mother should have made me go. She'd let me call in sick, and then it would be another God knows how many years before I would get the courage to speak in public again, because somehow I was so ashamed that I called in sick, and then it gave me 20 years of stage fright. So basically, the two things I would have done differently were all about having courage, but more importantly, I'm going to forgive myself for not having had the courage I needed then because I feel like I'm making up for it now. Mm. Um, one, yeah, other, yeah. Little, one other yeah, little ahead, thing. I yes. found on my computer my mother's poem. Do we have enough time? It's yes, short. Yes, please. I was going to okay. ask. Please. This is Harriet's poem for my mother, Harriet Ruby Gross, also known as Hannah Rachel. People being what they are, I trade my all to buy a star. But that I'd know there'd come a day when I'd trade all its peace away for any hand clasp, any kiss, loneliness being what it is. Ah, that's for you, Mom. Mm. That's sweet. It is sweet. But it's also really, really telling. Mm-hmm. And just, you're right. You know, it's very telling. I mean, you know, it is one of those one of those things that turns out to be messages, that turns out to be, you know, the essence. And also that turns out to tell us more about you and, you know, what it is that makes each of us show up in this lifetime in the way we do. And how how honoring is that? Um, You're for right. For you to honor her. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. In some ways... I feel like all I am in a lot of ways is inspired by her. Yeah. Also a heaping dose of guilt. 
you know, because I didn't call more and I didn't visit more and all the Jewish stuff, you know, but she was a really brilliant woman who never got to realize her beauty and she and her power and her brilliance. She felt that she was going to do that through her children. And so I'm trying to help her have her wish, I guess. What You know, it's interesting you and I have female figures like that. For me, it's my stepmom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she inspired me to never give up. Um, but, but she didn't get to live, you know, long enough. She died very suddenly. Didn't get to live long enough to literally fulfill her, her own dreams in that way. And hers was all about helping other people. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. There's nothing more important than that. I mean, um, I don't really have a fear of dying young. I somehow never thought that I would live old. I, I've lived my whole life sort of knowing that I wouldn't somehow. But my only fear was not living. Like, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm afraid of not living. And I'm afraid of not making a difference, not putting some good in the world, not being remembered, you know, things like that. Never about dying, though. You know, I'll tell you, you and I both have that. As a matter of fact, my uncle, before he died, right, he was 93 years old and we were talking story. And I said, Uncle Ralph, I don't get it, man. Like all the women in in the family, they like die like suddenly. And I went through my list and he said, oh, I got it. Oh, he said, and Italian, 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 you're cursed. You got the curse. And I'm like, I got to tell you, I spend every day trying to discount those words from him. (laughs) No, you've done it. Look, my mother lived to be 65, but everyone else in that, she was the oldest of her family. Like everyone else went when they were in their 40s or 50s. So I asked her one time, I go, Mom, why is it? that all the women in your family line are dropping dead so young. So what was her answer? Rotten children. (laughs) Oh, my God. My children are so rotten. Why live? Rotten children. Yeah, guess what? We know different. Chef Rossi, thank you so much. Last question. What's your personal message? Would you like to leave us with today? Well, I would say go out and have a footprint. And your footprint could be kindness and love, just doing some good in the world. And whether you're gay or straight, just be prideful. Be proud of who you are. And if for some reason you can't be proud of who you are, then that means you're doing something wrong. So set about changing it. I love it. Chef Rossi, everyone, the Raging Skillet. We've got lots more to tell you about the upcoming play that's Mm -hmm. based on the book, The Raging Skillet. Chef, thank you so much for today. Oh, you're welcome, sweetie. I had a blast. All right, everybody. We're going to take a shorty. More coming up on Transformation Talk Radio. You've been listening to Mouthing Off Radio with Chef Rossi. Tune in on Transformation Talk Radio. And if you have missed any part of this, check it out at theragingskillet.com or transformationtalkradio.com. Say hi to Chef Rossi. Let her know what's on your mind, and we will bring it to the next show. Visit theragingskillet.com, and don't forget to get your own copy of the hit memoir, The Raging Skillet by Chef Rossi. See you next time. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.